Well, welcome everyone to the December 11th edition of the Ag Market Network. I'm Pat McClatchy. Leading our discussion today on cotton will be Dr. John Robinson. He is joining our cotton panel made up of Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Gerald Nieper, and Kip Butts. Uh, John, thanks for leading us today and giving us your thoughts on the crop report and other thoughts on the cotton market. Uh, well, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, so I'm going to begin with the world uh, the world numbers. So this December report <clears throat> kind of showed a continuation of tightening uh, in the world cotton situation, beginning with with beginning stocks. Uh, they had a big decrease in India uh, on, to the tune of 700,000 bales month over month, and then a smaller decrease in Central Asia, I think. Um, and then we saw cuts in world production, uh, including the U.S., which I'll talk about more in a minute. Uh, Pakistan was down 800,000 bales month over month. India was a half million down. Australia was 350,000 bales lower. Turkey was 200,000 bales lower. And all of that offset a few increases, most notably in Brazil. Uh, they were up 900,000 bales month over month, and Central Asia was also up 610,000, and a few other smaller increases. Uh, the uh, I'm assuming the lowered production in some of those major importing countries like Turkey and Pakistan uh, contributed to a rise in the import uh, uh, export uh, categories to the tune of 350,000 bales uh, for the world. Um, in terms of world consumption, we saw some the big change. It was dominated by a million bale decrease in Chinese mill use, which USDA attributed to a reduced. Chinese textile exports. Um, so the bottom line of all these uh, adjustments in the world and the foreign situation was a pretty modest 480,000 bale decrease in world ending stocks, which you know is pretty much price neutral, and it's really kind of the second kind of the second month in a row of not a really major change in the world uh, bottom line. The things that caught my attention of all those changes I rattled off were, number one, finally, uh, we, we had some long-awaited adjustment in India that members of this panel and others in the industry have been kind of expecting for a long time for USDA to get with it and tighten up the Indian picture, and so they did in terms of revisionist history with the beginning stocks and, and the production cut. So we saw that. Uh, second thing that caught my attention was this lower Chinese mill use uh, which is attributed to lower uh, apparel exports comes, how far was it, back to September, three or four or four months, three months after the initial round of U.S. tariffs on Chinese apparel imports into the United States. I think, I think the initial one was 15%, and if it goes through this month, it would go, it would go either be postponed or go up, to 25, but uh, it just left me wondering, is this kind of the first evidence of a, a tariff effect? We put tariffs on, on their apparel imports, and now here's evidence of slowing, um, slowing business for their export, and is that trickling back into the overall demand picture for Chinese fiber demand? Anyway, left me wondering about that. Uh, it also caught my attention that Brazil's production uh, was raised so much because that sort of 
confirms or exacerbates the situation of Brazil taking market share from us with having having more exportable supplies. So that kind of wraps up the, the world picture. So I've already kind of mentioned, uh, hinted that there was a adjustment in U.S. production, and this is for the second month in a row. Um, USDA tightening is focused kind of singularly and dramatically on the U.S. month-over-month adjustments. So for the second month in a row, U.S. cotton production was cut, this time by 611,000 bales. You recall in the November WASD, they cut it 900,000 bales. <clears throat> Again, the reductions were centered in Texas. I think we had a half million bale cut in, in Texas production that dominated that whole deal. And it resulted from downwardly adjusting harvested yields per acre. So we appear to be kind of reaping the benefits of the poor start we had at planting time, cold, wet weather, and inadequate root systems, that all of which ran up against hot, dry weather in, you know, in July and August and was been finished off by an early freeze in October. All of the anecdotal stories that we've been hearing uh, appear to be jiving with what's, what's resulting, less, less production. If you talk to folks out in West Texas, they'll tell you, you know, most growers, most gins are coming in and saying, you know, they're realizing 25 to 30 percent less production than, than they were initially anticipating. <clears throat> so with no other change in U.S. carry-in or domestic use, or exports, the bottom line of all of this was a 600,000 bale reduction in U.S. ending stocks. And, uh, you know, while the month-over-month -month adjustment, it, we saw some supportive reactions, uh, price reaction in the market yesterday, and maybe not as much as I expected, but m certainly more than we saw for the reaction to the November numbers. Um, I would say in terms of where we are, uh, the interp my interpretation of this is that we have moved in three months, we've moved from a majorly bearish outcome to a moderately bearish outcome after the November cuts to sort of a neutral to m very mildly bearish outcome when you, when you look at you know, the year-over-year -year change in, in ending stocks for the U.S. The, the interpretation is just very, very fluid, changing a lot. Um, a couple other reactions I guess I've had. You know, last month when they cut 900,000 bales, that was such a big adjustment that, you know, I thought, well, what, you know, what else is coming with, uh, if they go out on a limb and cut 900,000 bales, I'm, my guess would be that they thought there was more to be cut, and so I wasn't particularly surprised that we had another adjustment this month and you know we might have I would expect somewhat smaller one before it all wraps up um, what's really puzzling me and this is what I'm going to wind up with is uh, the fact that we've had two months straight of big production cuts with no adjustment in the export category uh, USDA has, has they'll cut production and then they'll trim the bottom line of ending stocks but they haven't touched exports which you know, first reaction, simpleton that I am, I think, well, you know, there's fewer bales to export. I, I would expect, you know, if you cut 500,000 bales of U.S. production that you might cut, you know, 200 of exports. We haven't seen that. And so that, that leaves me kind of puzzled why, why USDA so, I don't know, confident that, uh, that we're going to reach the $16.5 million target 
um, first of all, well, I mean, I, I guess they could be focusing on the fact that, you know, the total commitments number is, you know, is pretty good, historically speaking. But it seems to me that there's, if there was ever a year to worry about, you know, cancellations coming in and muddling up the export commitment picture, this is the year, you know, you, at least I hear rumors about, um, you know, some of, the, some of the sales that are on the books to China um, were made back when prices were higher, and if those were fixed price type contracts, you know, there might be an incentive on the part of those mills to get out of them, cancel them. Uh, other rumors I've heard are along the lines of, well, some of the sales to China were made not by mills, but or not to mills, but to Chinese traders who were anticipating a resolution to this trade dispute, which we so far have not got. So so there's that. So, so there's some speculation that maybe after the new year we may see some cancellations that'll kind of muddy up the picture of the currently good-looking total commitments picture. Um, and all of that aside, I'll just I'll wind up with this. I'm I'm wondering. It seems like we need an above average shipments, historically speaking, to reach the target that USDA has set. Um, the uh, I think, if I'm correct in my math, we we need to be shipping 370,000 uh, statistical bales a week from now through July. To to we need to be on that pace to get to where USDA is projecting U.S. exports to be. And historically speaking, if you take all the shipments, I think for the last 15 years, all the shipments that have happened between, between January and July comes out to something, something lower. The historical pace, if you average it all out, is going to come out to like 312 or something like that thousand Ship, um, but statistical bales per week, which is a little bit lower. And furthermore, you know, it's never all spread out evenly through the year. I'm thinking this year things are probably, like many other years, are going to be bunched up in the, later in the, in the season, later in probably in the fourth quarter, May, June, and July. I, I particularly think that this year, because I think a lot of cotton is going to go into the loan, and it's going to be hard for merchants to access it. So it's going to probably go into the loan and stay there till until later on. So uh, that being the case, if you look at average shipments in the fourth quarter of the year historically, again, looking back over the last 15 years, it's not very frequent that uh, you have shipments at the level that we need to reach USDA's target. In fact, if I did my math right again, it's only 20% of the time over the last 15 years that we had shipments in the fourth quarter be at the level that we need them to be to uh, to reach 16.5 million. So I, I, I kind of am going to wonder about those questions, uh, Pat, and hand it off to, the, to my betters on the panel to uh, maybe address that aspect of it. Okay. Well, let's just open it up for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody ought to say something. This is a way, by the way. It's a mess, at least as far as analysts go. We don't. We kind of lost the words, uh, lost. Excuse me for intelligent words uh, as to as to the situation. John, I think, made an excellent point with respect to exports 
typically we do see uh, exports reduced as the crop size is reduced. In fact, this may be the first time I've seen two months in a row with uh, basically no signs there as uh, as crops came, the crop size came down significantly. And I would only echo what John had said. It's going to be difficult to reach that 16.5, given the pace we have. And even if we rev up our pace to to reach the pace that John is suggesting that we need. A couple of things going on, in my mind anyway. I'm not sure if the market is seeing these. And certainly, if I see it, the market has saw it months ago, but uh, the uh, yesterday, I think Washington finally got a victory in getting the doctor resolved. Uh, it appears that uh, Ms. Pelosi is going to allow that to come to a vote now, and we can go ahead and move forward. Uh, to and, and that will be of some benefit, but more importantly, with uh, today uh, effectively being the last day that uh, WTO will have any teeth uh, for some time. Uh, I think that has to be in traders' minds as we move across the world with the WTO agreements basically uh, or effectively can come to an end and how that might affect the cotton world. Uh, I think certainly we've had uh, China has been required to buy certain amounts of U.S. cotton and but we've complained that they've not been buying that. But again, when the WTO effectively being shut down, uh, it, it's 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 going to be quite uh, a, a, a very unstable atmosphere as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know that that's not having some some market influence. Well, there's some interesting points. Um, oh, I, I step back and talk about exports, but I'm not quite as pessimistic excuse me, as uh, my colleagues are on that. Um, I, in, I think Pakistan's got a lot more cotton to buy. USDA did increase their imports quite a bit. Uh, I think they may wind up importing a little bit more because they've got some pretty good agreements in, uh, with the EU. So I think they're textile exports are going to increase a bit. They're going to pick up a part of what uh, China is losing on these tariff problems. So I think that's going to, to bolster our exports. I share the same concern, though, that uh, both John and Oway <clears throat> expressed, and that is that we may get some cancellations. I'm, I'm waiting to see those, but uh, I'm thinking that <clears throat> particularly Pakistan may uh, pick that up for us. <clears throat> so Seventeen five, uh, sixteen five, rather, may be a bit rich, but it might not be quite as uh, quite as much as, as people are. Some people are thinking right now, it might be just slightly less than that, rather than a lot less, which I think a lot of people are thinking. Gerald, you know, echo that again. To echo that again, Kip. I, you know, and and, and I, uh, I'm concerned, but uh, as you say, sounds like we all have frogs in our throat this morning. Uh, if it's down to 16.0, uh, then that's still a very good, very positive export number. Uh, even if it falls woefully low and it drops down to 15.5 million barrel export, that's still a big export number. So uh, all is not lost, certainly. 
the uh, uh, you know USDA. I, I I can't blame them for not reducing exports. Um, you know, our exportable supply is still 21 million bales, even with reduction in in, uh, in production out there. Um, you know, until we get you know big cancellations, you know, why would you reduce it? Um, except, I think within the next month or so, if we don't see shipments pick up, I think they'll be forced to reduce it. Um, you know, in spite of the uh, in spite of the big. Uh, uh, commitment number out there. You know, we started this year out almost a million bales behind the year before in terms of commitments. Now we're about 700,000 bales ahead of, of last year in terms of commitments. And uh, so, you know, it's it's hard. I think it would be hard for them to justify reducing exports now until they see more evidence of, of shipments just not, uh, not keeping pace. And, you know, to John's point, you know, 370,000 statistical bales in weekly exports, that's a big number. Um, and and I, you know that they're aware of it. I'm just, I'm a little bit surprised that they haven't reduced exports just a little bit based primarily on just the shipment pace so far. And, uh, yeah, China could, uh, could cancel or replace, cancel, this year's commitments and replace it with commitments in in the following year, but you know they haven't done so yet. So it's 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 a little bit of a mystery, and that's probably why the market is just not reacting as favorably as as it as it should be. I think with the reduction in in supplies out there around the world. Well, uh, just a point. I think that um, the actual export shipments are <clears throat> slightly ahead of last year. <clears throat> I'm going to put that. Pardon me. Um, and so, and this is typically a time where we really don't ship very much. So we are a little bit ahead right now on shipments, although I agree that it would be nice to see it a whole lot more than where it is. But I, um, I, again, I think we're just being a bit too pessimistic on that. Given the time of the year, we typically don't ship very much uh, at this time of the year. In about two or three weeks, if we don't see a pickup, I, I agree with Gerald. It's a question of timing. Now, if we get into our normal pattern, we should pick up shipments in the next uh, probably three weeks or so. If we don't, then you've got to start questioning whether we're going to whether we're really going to get this thing going because then you bunch it up a bit too much, uh, as um, as John said earlier, bunching a whole lot of it late in the year. It's not that it can't be done, but it's really unusual, and then it does get to be a challenge. But, you know, shipments are really not that bad either. That's a good point, Kip. With the USDA is, is left to deal with uh, what I'll call hard numbers. And if you look at the hard numbers, they actually still look quite good with respect to exports. It's just uh, our anticipation and, 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 and anticipation of others that exports might not be as good as as, as as the USDA number, but uh, there's not much USDA can do other than live with the, the hard numbers that are coming out right now. Yeah. Well, guys, if we were to get a uh, a phase one agreement, um, whatever the latest uh, term is for this, do you think that would uh, you think that would benefit the cotton market, or is it just kind of a ho-hum kind of, we finally agreed to something. Any thoughts on what the impact would be on that for cotton? I have some, but I don't want to leave the witness. 
Well, I think it would be more you know, beneficial from a price standpoint than from a than anything really. You know, at least initially, I think it would it would benefit prices. You know, you'd get a run up, and then you'd have to sort of say, "Well, are we really going to get it? You know, is is something really going to happen?" But I, I do think it would help uh, at least prices yeah. in the early stage before they they started thinking about, "Well, okay, let's let's see some evidence of." Of something good happening now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, it, what what a technician would call about something else would call a relief rally. I think there'd be just <clears throat> kind of a burst of relief that the situation appears to be getting solved or moving towards progress. Uh, uh, something Gerald said two or three months ago in regards to that too. I, that. Uh, if there was an agreement, the biggest fundamental effect of it would simply be it would confirm the export picture that we have. It would confirm it more, reduce the likelihood of of cancellations. That still kind of makes sense to me now. <clears throat> well, I've been of the opinion that uh, it would not make much difference, and what difference it would make would be very short-lived. And, you know, uh, depending on the time, uh, frame we use, I think that once upon a time, I said it could be as much as a nickel, but uh, that, that's that's that, that's far gone, uh, relieved by now. We've had some relief, but the market price relief. But I would think right now, one to two hundred, one hundred points to two hundred points, and then I think we would uh, tend to lose that pretty quick. I think to me, and I hope I'm wrong. I think I think that's pretty much a dead issue that's been worked into the market already, but uh, go ahead. I want to hear your opinion because uh, mine's not working. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gerald, you had mentioned, you know, initially we might get an emotional bounce, uh, and then after that, the market would want to see business. Is that is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Well, the emotional bounce, what do you think the emotional bounce would take us to? In March right now, it's trading down 54 at 65.39. How high could we go if come this weekend they come out and say, there's a deal done, here we go? What what do you think March Cotton could do initially? Um, Probably run up to 67, maybe 68 cents, but you've got a lot of technical resistance up there. Gosh, you've got all kinds of... Of resistance just above 6,700. You got a 20 or, or a 200-day moving average sitting right around 67 cents right now. Um, so you got a lot of technical resistance sitting right above this market, and uh, you know to get through that, it's going to take more than just to you know. Oh, gee, we got a phase one done now. Um, you know, it, you you might run up. To, to 68 cents, and then it comes all the way back down again. But it uh, it's you know until we see more evidence of, of better demand out there, or, or maybe better, or maybe larger production cuts somewhere in the world. My gosh, I can't imagine where it might come from at this point in time. But uh, you know that there's still possibilities out there. But they would be, I think, few. Um, you know. Uh, and then you got the seasonality. Uh, you know, you might try to creep up towards seventy cents, but I, you know, getting above seventy cents right now may may be kind of hard, except from a from a seasonal standpoint. Um, 
it's just uh, and business is getting tough right now. The mills, all they're interested in, it seems like, is cheap cotton, um, something that you can land uh, someplace, you know, under seventy cents or for better quality cotton, you know, maybe in the in the in the low seventies, possibly you know mid seventies, but uh, um, they're not interested in, in in paying anything paying enough, I think, to get us substantially higher from where we're sitting right now. On, so on, the, on the, the other hand, on the, on the other hand, or not on the other hand, on the other end of the range, the lower end of the range, m- moving as we have from a projection of seven-something million ending stocks to six to five, I would say that the that the lower end of this should be shored up, you know, firmer, I'm, you know, the risk of really going lower just seems not there the way it did to me two months ago. So, uh, you know, we maybe shift our, all of our ranges just up a bit to accommodate the dynamics that Gerald was just saying. I think, John, that's an extremely important point, and I concur 1,000% with that. If I may, Kip, I think you started this by asking us a question about uh, the Phase 1, and uh, I thought you said you had an opinion and you wanted to hear ours. I want to hear your opinion on the impact of well, phase one on the market. Well, for what it's worth, I mean, I um, I think if we get an agreement coupled with a uh, kind of a slowdown in the uh, in the geopolitical problems associated with uh, with what's going on with well, you know, the political problems in the U.S. and, and this trade war, it's had a big impact on the global economy. I think consumers have held up really, really well under these adverse circumstances. Um, I think central bank actions would have it, uh, would, would continue to be accommodative, and I think the consumer might just open up a little bit more. So I'm a... I'm adding a bit to it more than just the agreement, but I think if we got an agreement, uh, there's just been this sort of a pall on the market. Uh, I think that would be lifted, and I think it really would benefit us price-wise. I agree with Gerald. The specs are not nearly as short as they were a month ago, and I I thought that would have been a big catalyst if you coupled uh, the short spec with the uh, with an agreement, we'd get a pretty big bounce. I I agree that bounce is not as uh, as strong as I uh, I thought it might have been a month ago with the agreement, uh, but I still think it's going to move it up, and I I think the consumers may can even get stronger, although they're very strong now. So I'm I'm a little bit uh, I think that would help our exports, whether we get to a 16.5 or not. I I don't know. We still got a a big exportable surplus. And mills have been pretty good buyers with the futures around 62, 63 cents. Uh, to John's point, maybe we shored up the downside of this thing, uh, which doesn't help the American farmer because uh, we need to move this thing up or get it down where the loan uh, the loan mechanics yeah. work. So yeah. uh, it, the farmer's being penalized on this pretty badly in, in, in the whole scheme of things. But uh, I, I'm I'm a little more optimistic, I think, uh, but again, not what I was probably a month ago because of the uh, the spec position. I just don't see them having the, uh, the power now to really blow us through, which I, I thought we had a month or so ago. 
So that, those are the thoughts. I'm, I, I sound like I may be a little bit more optimistic, but that's primarily due to, I think, if the emerging economies uh, can go ahead and give them a bounce. I think that, you know, what's that expression that uh, the rising tide lifts all boats? I, I, think I sort of think that's the scenario we would be in. So we're talking about low 60s to high 60s is sort of the new range for, for cotton. Does that sound right for everybody? I think, well, I think we've, so. we've, we've had a long-standing barrier up at 67 cents. So, uh, I mean, I think you break 67 cents, uh, to me, effectively, that puts you at 70 cents. I mean, you'll run on up and, and trade a tick or two above 70 cents if you break the 67. So I, I'm, I'm when you say high 60s, uh, I can't get above the uh, mid-plus of the 67 cents area uh i think you know we're, we're talking about exports we're talking about business uh I, I think what has not been mentioned yet today and maybe it not may not be important i'm thinking that it's something that gerald has taught me to watch very closely and that's the uh u.s uh i mean the world carryover less china and and uh that what we're seeing in these numbers that they that come out we're seeing more and more cotton available for export outside of China, which just simply means that uh, there's more competition for the U.S. out there for the for that U.S. market share. Uh, so that that continues to bother me a bit. But again, I, I back off to something else. I've said the bull is dead. I mean, the bear is dead, and there's no question in my mind that that continues. I thought we'd be in the late in the mid 70s in the, by the May time period. I'm starting to second guess that somewhat, but. I do think we do move to the 70s, but I think it's far too early to talk to begin talking about that from my perspective. Thank you. Oh, wait, it's, it's sort of interesting that, that you mentioned that because I was just getting ready to say, you know, let's look at five years ago. You know, at the end of 2016 crop year, you know, ending stocks were, were at 80.3 million bales. Today, 80.3 million bales. At that time, though, China held 46 million of the 80 of the roughly 80 million bales. So that only left 34 million in the rest of the world. Today, China's at 33. So you know, you got 47 million bales out there outside of China. You're right. There's a lot of competition out there for for market share, and that's probably what is keeping a little bit of a lid on these prices moving substantially higher. Okay. Any other thoughts? One of, the, one of the things, too, though, and, and I agree that, that those stocks are, are large, but if you look at where those stocks are, uh, a lot of them, uh, they're not in areas where you're going to get a, a lot of good quality cotton in volume. Australia right now, it looks like they dropped it down to 850,000 bales. That's generally that cotton is destined for, uh, for <coughs> Asian market where all the, the mill use is. And uh, I think we get caught up, although we've got 47 million bales, uh, there's a quality issue with that. Uh, and that's really what's going on in Pakistan. India's buying more cotton from the U.S. for quality, which is a little bit of a surprise if you look at their numbers. Turkey's picked up quite a lot uh, because of their, uh, their – uh, part of that is quality. Part of it's just a smaller crop. But uh, I think they did have some uh, some rains at the wrong time to give them some quality issues. So I our quality in the U.S. is very good this year, uh, the last time I checked. So I, I think that's going to help us out a bit. 
And if Brazil, uh, of course, Brazil's the competition, I think, at this point. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon either. I think they're kind of on a new track. But uh, but I think quality issues have to be considered in this, and I think that puts the U.S. in a little better situation than, than we might initially think, just by looking at the numbers in the aggregate. Any closing any closing thoughts? All right. Well, let's wrap up the meeting. Uh, we uh, appreciate John you uh, leading us today into our into our panel. Uh, that concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network for December the 11th. Have a good day. We'll see you next month. Thank you, Pat. Thanks. Thanks, Pat.